Hello, my name is Katrina Lemire, and I'm going to be talking about managing decision-making, specifically the steps in the decision-making process. Decision-making is the process by which managers respond to the opportunities and threats that confront them by analyzing the options and making determination or decisions about specific organizational goals and courses of action. The decision-making process consists of seven key steps that managers should consistently follow. I will attach a scenario at the end with these steps to make it easier for you to understand. Step one, recognize the need for a decision. A manager will face multiple changes within the organization that will force them to make a decision. Knowing when there is a need to make a decision is a crucial part of this process. A manager must ask, is there a problem and what do we do about it? Identifying the problem takes time and research. A manager must analyze each situation carefully to see what the problem is and what the situation should look like. After figuring out what the problem is, the manager must then ask the who, what, where, when, why, and how questions. Who does this problem affect? What does this problem affect? Where is the problem? How did it happen? When did it start happening? And why did it happen? Then the manager must ask these same questions again, but this time thinking about the future. Who do you want to be? What do you have to do to get there? Or what are your goals? Where do you see yourself? How are you going to achieve these goals? When are you going to start? And why do you want to do this? This is an important thing to do and keep doing throughout your journey. This will keep you on track and motivated. Step two, identify a decision criteria. Once the manager has identified the problem in question and has decided that there is a need for a decision, the manager must choose a different course of action. The manager must go through a checklist to ensure they have all the details. Poor decision-making happens when managers overlook specific and important details. Step three, generate alternatives. Managers sometimes don't look at the bigger picture and don't always consider all the different options available to them. Failure to properly generate different alternatives is one reason why managers sometimes make bad decisions. Reference from page 99. Step four, assess alternatives. Once a manager has chosen some alternatives, they must be evaluated. Who would be the most value to the company, what they offer, etc.
No company will deliver the exact same thing and not all companies will bring equal value to your organization. Managers can use the four following criterias to weigh the pros and cons of all the chosen alternatives. Practicality issues. Managers must be willing, capable, and have the resources to implement alternatives. They must ensure that the alternatives will not threaten the ability to reach other goals within the organization. If the alternative is likely to threaten projects within the organization, they might decide that this isn't practical after all. Economic feasibility issue. Managers will perform an analysis to see if the alternative makes sense financially and if they fit the organization's performance goals. Ethical issues. Managers must ensure the course of action is ethical and not interfere with the shareholders. These decisions may harm other people, but will benefit the shareholders. Legal issues. Managers must ensure that a possible source of action is legal and will not violate any domestic or international laws or government regulations. Reference on page 100. Step five, choose an alternative. In step four, the managers evaluated the alternatives. Now the manager must rank them when ranking the alternatives, the manager must be sure of all the information provided. This does not mean the manager has the complete information. Often information is incomplete. A manager will generate a chart or checklist of the weighted pros and cons of all the alternatives to determine the highest ranked. They will ensure their choice is the best fit for their organization. Step six, implement the chosen alternative. Once a decision has been made, the manager must select an alternative and act upon it quickly. Many subsequent decisions may be necessary for implementation and the manager would need to negotiate a contract with the selected alternative. Step seven, evaluate and learn from feedback. Finally, feedback is the last step in the decision-making process. Managers should return to this situation to get proper feedback to learn from this experience. If they don't, this is where managers fail and make the same mistake over and over again. Three steps within this step are, one, compare what happened to what was expected to happen. Two, explore why expectations were not met. And three, develop guidelines to help in future decision-making. 
Individuals who always strive to learn from past mistakes and successes are likely to continuously improve their decision-making. Reference page 103. When looking back on your decisions, a manager must ask, did my decision solve the problem? And did it meet the company's needs? If the problem still exists, a manager may need to look further back at the beginning stages of the seven-step process. I'll now give you a scenario of the seven-step process for you to better understand. This scenario is going to be more of an on-the-spot decision, but it is a true story and it does involve these steps. A little background of this story first is in June of 2018, I got a fire call in the middle of the afternoon for a burning building. My husband and I are both on the fire department and we rushed to the scene to find out that it is one of our friends and fellow firefighters. Um, Because it's a structure fire, we require mutual aid. So our steps, so step one, is there a problem and what do we do? Well, we have a fully engulfed structure fire. So our questions are the five W's. Who are we going to call? And I know everybody is thinking in their head right now, Ghostbusters. Where are we located? When will they get here? Why should we call the closer fire department? And how are we going to tackle this fire? So step two, identify decision criteria. So the chief must consider what variables are important. We have 10 active firefighters, and I'm saying 10 because I don't remember exactly how many we had. But we have 10 active guys on the department right now. This is a massive house and it's fully engulfed. We can only attack with four hoses from our pumper. And we have a fire, sorry, we have a porta pawn set up with a hose attacking. We only have one water truck and we're running low on air bottles. So step three is generate alternatives. Our alternatives are going to be our surrounding fire departments. So we have Hudson, Kearns, Casey, Diamond, and Hellebury isn't really on our surrounding list because they're kind of far, but in the next step, you'll understand why they're mentioned. So step four is assess our alternatives. Well, Hudson has a water truck and available men. Kearns has a water truck, but little manpower. Casey 
is at a ball tournament this weekend. Diamond has everything, but they don't help us unless it involves vehicle extractions, so jaws of life. And Hellerbury provides air. See why they were essential? I'm going to combine five and six together. So choose an alternative and implement the chosen alternative. So this part gets a little bit tricky because if we were talking about filling a position, we'd only have to pick one person for the company. But in firefighting, you take all the help you can get. So in this case, our ranking is a little bit different. We put number one, Mutual Aid Hudson. Uh, they have a truck, they have manpower available, and they have, they're about 15 to 20 minutes out. Number two, we Mutual Aid Kearns. They have drivers for the water tankers. And three, we Mutual Aid Hellebury because they have an air truck. We need them on scene to fill our bottles. Finally, step seven, evaluate and learn from feedback. So after every call, we return back to the fire department and we have a quick little talk about what happened on the scene and how we could improve. And we do this for every call. This fire brought us closer together. We fought for well over 24 hours. I think after getting the fire out and everything, it was 36 hours and then we still had to stay and hold the scene until the fire marshal came. In the end, we managed to save some sentimental valuables, an entire master bedroom, some guns, and a few other things. I didn't go into the house to do a walk around after because honestly, after being that long on a scene, I wanted to go home, have a shower, eat, and go to bed. So even though our friend lost his home, they were still there and we did everything we could to save what we did. Joining the fire department isn't for everyone, but helping people is what I was meant to do and I enjoy doing it. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you learned something. And if not, at least you got to hear a cool story at the end. Have a good night, guys.